Welcome to The Climate Torch from Entrepreneurs for Impact, where we interview CEOs, founders, and investors focused on building companies that tackle climate change. We cover lessons learned from failures and successes, insights into funding business growth, book recommendations, favorite podcasts, and much more. My name is Chris Wedding. I'm a former private equity investor, investment banker, founder, and professor focused on climate investment and innovation. I'm also the founder and chief catalyst at Entrepreneurs for Impact, where we support climate CEOs with roundtables, offering peer-to-peer advisory investor intelligence and executive coaching, because we believe in three things. Businesses grow when people grow. Number two, there's no reason for things to be so lonely at the top. And number three, if you're the smartest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room. So grab your favorite beverage or hop in the car for the commute and let's dive in. We are here with Amy DeFore, principal at Prime Impact Fund. Amy, it is great to have you on the Climate Torch. It is great to be here, Chris. It's always fun talking to you. Yeah, we, we of course, get to spend a little time together uh, through uh, this uh, Duke Uni- University course that I taught uh, on clean tech startups and investors. And I had some students tell me you were their favorite guest speaker. Now, if other guest speakers are listening, I'm sure other students said they were the best speaker too. But anyway, um, a lot of folks really appreciated uh, your path, really. And we'll get into some of your path here, but but maybe non-traditional. Um, and I think the that class, and I'm, I'm guessing many of our listeners will resonate with how you've you know um, experimented and combined all this these different parts of your path past rather to to find I think a pretty darn perfect home uh, at Prime Impact Fund. So I'm sure lots of fans of Prime in the listenership, if you will. Well, so so just to start. Um, some folks know about Prime. They may, maybe they know Prime Coalition. Maybe they know Prime Impact Fund. What what's the story? How do these groups fit together? Uh, and then we'll we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah, it's a really really good question. Um, so let me start with Prime Coalition because that is uh, the the true originator. So Prime Coalition is a five hundred one c three nonprofit. It was founded by um, a woman named Sarah Carney, who's our, our current executive director. And really the mission is to partner uh, with philanthropists to use catalytic capital to drive climate innovation. So that's a mouthful. So let me explain what I mean by that. At the time when, when Sarah started Prime Coalition, there were almost zero dollars uh, going into the VC space in hardware-based climate tech companies. I mean, why is that? Why were VC investors shying away? Hardware is hard. (laughs) It is much more capital intensive. It requires a longer investing horizon. And so Sarah thought like, instead of us focusing on why VCs aren't stepping up to the plate, why aren't we looking at another asset class? Because $600 billion at the time was in US family foundations um, and family offices alone. And she thought, why don't we partner with that group of people to drive climate innovation, which was a really kind of thoughtful, smart, and creative idea. When you see a capital gap and you know that sort of one group isn't sort of moving forward to it, try and find it in a, in a different place. So for the first four years of Prime Coalition's life, it did a lot of you know different things, but it also did what we call deal by deal syndication. It 
kind of matched early stage, um, primarily Harvard-based companies in the climate tech space with high net worth individuals, family offices, and foundations. And so over those four years, we mobilized $24 million across 10 companies. And there were many learnings from that. Um, one of which we should raise our own dedicated pool of capital um, to invest in these amazing um, entrepreneurs. And so that's really how Prime Impact Fund was born. So Prime Impact Fund is an investment initiative of Prime Coalition. It's a just north of a $50 million early stage VC fund. And so early stage for us means primarily investing in pre-seed, seed, and series A rounds. And the whole kind of shtick of Prime Impact Fund is investing in technology companies with the potential for gigaton scale climate impact. So our North Star of investment criteria is investing in startups that have the potential to at least achieve a half a gigaton by cumulatively by 2050. Um, it's a very high bar and you know that was intentional because we are really focused on transformative climate ventures. I'd say that's the first piece. Um, and then the, the last two pieces, just you know, quickly noting, I know I've been talking for a, for a minute, <laughs> is one, the kind of second part of our criteria is the innovation in our model is that all of the capital that's coming into Prime Impact Fund from LPs is what we call catalytic capital. So it's much more structurally patient and flexible. And we wanna use that more flexible capital to de-risk early stage climate technologies for follow-on investors. So, you know, we wanna be really thoughtful about where we deploy that capital because it is more, more flexible. Um, and so we have this additionality criteria that is really our sort of guiding point um, for that. And then the last piece is because we tend to, to invest earlier than um, others in the broader VC space, you know, we've gone into university labs, like we're not a, you know, afraid of, of shying away from earlier raw stuff. You know, people say, oh, are you just funding science projects that want to stay science projects? And I say, absolutely not. <laughs> um, you know, we believe to have large scale climate impact, you need to be a self-sustaining enterprise. And so the attractiveness of a startup to follow on investors downstream who are more conventional, whether VCs or strategics is also really um, important. Uh, yes, lots to unpack there. So, so many, so many follow-on questions. So, just to confirm what what I think I heard, six hundred billion dollars in family offices and foundations was that the categorization? Yep, six hundred billion dollars was in U.S. Um, family offices, foundation. This is in 2013, 2014. Yeah. So, I yeah. I don't know what the stats are now, but it's probably much more. <laughs> I think it is. Yeah. Um. So that's. That's interesting uh, and certainly a good idea by 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 Sarah. And you can imagine, uh, or I, I would I would assume that, you know, part of the motivation um, from those groups is look, this is this is legacy, this is mission, this is not just uh, return. So so for the for the early investments, the twenty four million dollars you all catalyzed, to what degree did they or maybe you all view that as um, this is more. Uh, mission and legacy, or this is that plus market rate returns. So that's one question. And then the I know the answer to the next question, but maybe if you need to compare contrast that with your current fund. Yeah, so I would say that um, we are unapologetically impact first. Impact first doesn't mean that we are investing in charity cases. I mean, if you actually look at the companies that we've backed, they're doing incredibly well. And we're really proud of that, that they have been marching towards 
commercial and impact progress. So I think that's I, that's just sort of one one correction I'd, I'd want to make. Um, so unapologetically, unapologetically impact first, we believe that they can be coupled with really strong commercial traction. And frankly, the investment strategy um, from Prime Coalition during its syndication days and Prime Impact Fund now hasn't changed. It is the exact same investment criteria. It is broadly the same team. I mean, I wasn't there when uh, Prime Coalition started, um, but there have been key team members who have been there and we've just grown um, over time as we've gotten sort of better at honing um, our investment skills and strategy. Uh, but it's, it's pretty much, it's pretty much unchanged. We just now have a dedicated pool of capital, which allows us to play a different role with these companies. You know, now we're sitting on boards. Mm. Um, yep. M many more boards than we were, you know, in the past. And I think that's all about playing a really strong governance role. So that way mm -hmm. we can be a helpful partner and advocate towards that oh, yeah. climate impact. Yeah, you're more than capital, right? Um, it's this delightful value, value added capital, right? Uh, perspectives from other experiences, maybe for you, right? <clears throat> Working on, as I recall, very large, you know, clean tech transactions uh, at Bank of America or other places, right? I mean, Singapore, where you're you're vetting and, and working with, you know, um, you know, I, I guess I'll say seed or pre-stage, pre-seed uh, companies as well. So lots of um, relevant expertise to bring to these companies beyond the capital. So I love it. Unapologetically impact first and seeking financial returns. You you talked about the the gigaton or half gigaton uh, goal per company. So I think even for me, but for lots of listeners. It's like, well, I know that's a lot, but how a lot uh, is that? How, how do you contextualize uh, the kind of ambition of, of, the, of that target for GHG reduction? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, yeah, like I said, yeah, I don't really think in gigatons. Uh, we, we've done some analysis, which is, you know, ever, ever changing. So from kind of the latest numbers that I looked at is probably all wind ever deployed, but it's been around two to three gigatons of GHG emissions reduction. Mm -hmm. And so we are asking pretty, like I mentioned, early stage companies to have transformative uh, climate impact. Yeah. And that's because we just don't have time. Like mm -hmm. we are seeing mm -hmm. all the devastating effects of climate change everywhere and nobody is immune from it. And mm -hmm. we know that some people um, are hit harder than others, low-income communities um, and communities of color, primarily um, in the in the global south. Uh, but that's that's kind of really the underpinning part of it for that large number. Is we just we don't have a lot of time, and we gotta you know we need as many shots, large shots on goal, um, to hopefully address this climate crisis. Yeah, I love I love the ambition. It's shocking in the best in the best kind of way, um, and and that that um, that comparison of that. I think you said all, all of wind power projects deployed to date, maybe it's two or three gigatons. Also a, a helpful yardstick, right? To just understand and appreciate how ambitious your old goals are. Hallelujah. Um, you know, speaking of measurement, yeah, amen, hallelujah. Speaking of measurement, you, you all also partnered with some others, I don't know, maybe it's a year or so ago to create this crane uh, tool, uh, which I've, I've uh, uh, thankfully, lovingly spread through our zero newsletter a time or two to say, hey, folks, if you're looking for ways to measure, right, your investment uh, GHG impact or you as a startup to appeal to, you know, investors like Prime. Um, so anyway, I, I guess maybe thank you uh, 
to Prime and, and, and your partners for making this this tool uh, uh, available. I mean, what, what kinds of, I don't know, is insights perhaps, Amy, have you seen or, or have you seen in the, in the ecosystem from tools like Crane? Yeah, I'll first say that you, if you are focused on large scale climate impact and there's no way to measure it, I don't know how you're trying to keep people accountable. And so for us at Prime, it was so important that the impact measurement and management piece really went hand in hand um, with the catalytic investing piece. And, you know, uh, you know, our, our team, really the nonprofit team, primarily led by Sarah, um, in 2017, partnered with um, NYSERDA um, to publish this methodology around forward-looking emissions reductions potentials, because, you know, most of the kind of impact measuring and management within the climate space is retroactive. And that's mm. hard for very mm. early stage technologies. Right. We were trying to get a sense of what is the potential. Um, and that can be helpful for startups in terms of quantifying their potential climate impact. It can also be really helpful for investors or other mm -hmm. partners who yep. really care about that and use that data to make important decisions. And so you know, we had already been doing this emissions reduction potential assessment um, based on that early work for the companies that we had backed, you know, going, you know, back in time to even before we had raised a dedicated fund. Mm. But there was another element that we care really strongly about is like, we are not the type of fund that is hoarding information or trying to keep all of the goodies to ourselves. Mm. We really care about field building. Like we all win <laughs> if we are all equipped with the tools and knowledge to make really thoughtful and strong climate investments to address mm. this crisis. And so it was really important for, for us to make that tool or make our methodology available to the public. And so that's really what Crane is. That was supported um, by NYSERDA, the MacArthur Foundation, MassCEC, and so it was Prime and three other partners, um, Greenometry, ROAI, and Clean Energy Test, who got together and said, look, we wanna make an open source <laughs> um, tool for the public so people can you know, have a really great starter for 10 to assess the you know, in potential climate impact of various different technologies. And so the website for that is cranetool.org. And it's really helpful because you can go in there, like put your kind of sector or vertical, um, different key parameters like your you know deployment year and then it's going to kind of spit out a projection and which can also be downloaded into um, pretty you know easy and, and simple to read outputs and we're not claiming that this is you know the end-all be-all it is a projection right so projections are, are imperfect um, but we think it's a really important tool that both startups and investors can use to start really quantifying and measuring um, their potential climate impact. And, you know, part of our journey as well, it's, it's a very humbling journey is we know that this is kind of just, you know, point one, there are lots of other things that we need to try and integrate into this tool to make it as robust as possible. But, um, you know, we're, we're proud of the kind of the start that we've made and really look forward to working with others to make it even better. Yeah, and again, for those listening, uh, it's C-R-A-N-E, cranetool.org. Crane um, yeah, field building, uh, that's, a, that's a, great, it's a great phrase we should all keep in mind. Um, all right, let's uh, watch in our time here. You know, I, I wonder if you can call out a few of your portfolio companies. Now, I know this is like, you know, asking a parent of many children to like talk about their kids. 
and you can't like forget one, but however you think it's fair, <laughs> fair to mention some, maybe maybe it's the one you, where you sit on the board. Maybe that's an easy, objective way to not um, neglect any of your wonderful children. Um, can you give examples, maybe Amy, of some of the companies that you all are backing? Yeah, I that that was that was so funny. Yeah, there there are a bunch of them. You know what? I am gonna give um, kind of broad based brushstrokes of uh, I think different good examples. Cool of them. So we have invested in thirteen companies to date. They really run the gamut because we don't see the world in terms of you know strict sectors. We're you know investing in extraordinary companies and entrepreneurs who have thoughtful approaches to deep decarbonization. So the first company that we backed is a Lilac Solutions. It's a lithium extraction startup. You know, lithium is really critical for the exponential growth um, in the electric vehicle market. I mean, that team is led by an extraordinary uh, CEO, Dave Snydecker. Um, you know, when we started working with the company, the, the board was, you know, pretty much the CEO um, and prime. They had a really um, interesting technology, which they achieved, you know, critical, um, you know, pieces of the kind of milestones and deliverables that were part of their technology development, worked and signed several customer agreements, built out their team, and then raised, uh, you know, very successful um, follow-on round from our seed funding, a series, series A round. Um, and that's that's incredible. That's exactly what you know we're designed to do. So that's that's mm -hmm. that's the first company that we invested in. I think it just gives a really good sense of kind of the model that we're trying to use at Prime. You know, the com so two companies that I said as a, a a voting board member. I can't talk about all of them, but so we'll talk about some of the children. <laughs> um, right. One is uh, called Clean Crop Technologies, and so agriculture is responsible for over a quarter of global greenhouse gas emissions. You know, Clean Crop is really interesting. They are a crop loss and a food waste play. You know, food waste is a huge problem. It's responsible globally for almost about 6% of global greenhouse gas emissions. Mm. And so what they've done is they have developed this um, high efficiency cold plasma technology that can degrade pathogens, toxins, and pests responsible for food waste. So, you know, imagine, you know, it's, it's a platform technology that can use um, that you can use to really kind of to to be really effective at addressing different types of pathogens across different types of food. So for example, let's start with like their first market, which is focused on aflatoxin, which is a really big issue in peanuts. Um, and so in some places around the world, like South Africa or um, India, like more than 50% of that peanut crop could be destroyed by aflatoxin. And wow you know, when you are in a place that is food insecure, you know, people don't have any other option but to eat that contaminated food. It has been linked to, you know, cancer, poisoning of expectant mothers and young wow. children. And so, you know, they are, are focusing on a market that is both um, developed and developing um, country. That's not only, um, you know, addressing large greenhouse gas emissions reductions. But, you know, we also know that GHGs, while that is the focus of our funds, you know, that's one part of the equation within mm -hmm. the climate crisis. I find it really exciting as well that, you know, there's also a human health impact to, to the work that they're doing. And it was one of the things that really drew me um, to, this, to this company. So that's another one. Mm. Um, and then maybe the third one I'll, I'll mention uh, briefly is uh, Noon Energy. So 
long duration energy storage is super important. I mean, if you believe that there is going to be more renewable power that's been put on the grid, and obviously it's intermittent, you know, the current approaches that we have only do, you know, half the job. Lithium ion batteries only are cost competitive at pretty short durations, less than four hours. You know, they can create pretty toxic wastes. And so, you know, we need something, we need energy storage that can be focused on much longer durations. You know, if we believe that we're going to get there, probably, you know, more than 100 hours. And we're also looking for something that's kind of beyond this, this metal battery. And that's what noon energy, you know, mm. really, um, really promises. It's, it's, a, it's a carbon um, oxygen battery. It's, you know, driven by a proprietary um, catalyst. And, you know, it's, it's a very low cost battery tech that could replace potentially like peaker plants and backup generators and also pave the way for, you know, other elements of the um, kind of decarbonization pathway, whether it's, you know, long range um, transportation, whether that's trucking or shipping. And so, you know, that's another company I'm super excited um, by, by what they're doing because they've got high energy density, um, reasonable round trip efficiency and super low cost for an area that is like critical for, for deep decarbonization. Mm. You know, Amy, it almost sounds like you're excited about all this. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. I could talk, uh, you have to stop me. I talk too much. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I think the, the energy comes through, even in a podcast. I can see you, but uh, even in audio form, the energy comes through. Um, well, uh, like many of these um, uh, Climate uh, Torch podcasts, we probably could speak for three or four hours. Um, but but um, in the last six or seven minutes, Amy, I know the audience is like, oh, no, just seven minutes a little more with Amy. Um, can you can you give us a super unfair um, and insufficient uh, summary of your path uh, to to this point? And maybe I know there are many facets which are important to the story, and I would encourage folks to look you up on LinkedIn or certainly a Prime Impact Fund. Um, but maybe the, the the salient parts, which, again, made you come to this point or really allowed you to, to, to be at this point and, and, you know, add value to companies uh, like the ones you just mentioned? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I will say that my path into the climate space has not been linear. And it, this was not something that I started out with, you know, 20 years ago saying like, this is this is like my stake in the ground. It was something that developed over time. And I think that's important to acknowledge and note. Mm. I think my background is, it's a pretty hybrid background. It's kind of business, finance, and impact. And for me, I think that's really important because everything in my, you know, my identity is very intersectional. And that's how I like to approach problems, solutions, you know, hopefully being a, a thoughtful sounding partner to companies. I feel like that that um, kind of diversity um, and kind of multifaceted nature of my background has been really helpful. So, you know, on the one hand, you know, before I got into early stage, you know, climate investing, I was a renewables um, investment banker at Bank of America. So worked mm -hmm. with very large companies to help them raise capital. Um, you know, I think the, the most 
one of the most meaningful things I worked on was the IPO of Sonova. It's a residential solar company. You know, they're now worth like over three billion. So that was really towards the end of the the spectrum. And the CEO there really built that company from the ground up. And it was mm. a privilege to see them go public at the New York Stock Exchange. You know, before that. I was based in Singapore. I ran early stage social venture accelerator programs around Southeast Asia. You know, I was on the ground with entrepreneurs in the Philippines, Malaysia, and Singapore, really helping them think through their pain points. That was really a place that like nurtured my love of really thoughtful, like brilliant people solving incredibly hard problems mm. and not kind of, you know, being like this, like theoretical advisor, really getting into the, like the, the nitty gritty with them to help them think through whatever the key issues were around, you know, technology development or like supply chain risks or building out their team. Um, and at that time it was, I was kind of focused all over the map. It was an impact investing firm that I was working for. You know, I ended up getting very religious about climate change. I was like, if we don't solve this, nothing else matters. And, you know, I think one of the reasons, you know, I was less focused on the climate crisis earlier on in my career be was because it didn't speak to me. It was talking a lot about, which is extremely important, um, you know, the, my perception was that it was talking about kind of, you know, polar bears and trees, and it was not focusing on the very real human impacts that are happening mm. today. That is what moves me. Like, I am mm. very driven by the human stories within the climate crisis. I think it's one of the reasons I love agriculture so much. I mean, mm. everybody eats food like that is a, you know, and you're speaking with farmers, that's really important. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I don't mention this often, but I have a, aside from an MBA, I have a master's in migration studies. So I was kind of looking at the movements of, of marginalized people, mm. um, primarily in West Africa, but, you know, two different places like the UK and the US. And when you start thinking about like climate refugees, like it all wow. starts to make sense. It's all connected. Um, and, you know, my realization was that this is, this is the avenue that I feel like is most effective to have large scale change. And I think the climate crisis is everything, you know? Mm. And so that was for me a real turning point and why I decided to pivot more squarely into the space and frankly, more squarely into investing because, you know, there, there are lots of different areas, but I, you know, I love working with companies. I love finding interesting and learning mm. about interesting technologies, um, you know, and I hope I can play a small part on their journey to do something, you know, amazing and great. Here, here. Yes. Um, and that, that was a great sampling of the diverse, diverse background that led you to, uh, to prime uh, all right, the clock is ticking, unfortunately, loudly in my head, darn it. Um, uh, how about um, uh, what advice, Amy, might you have given yourself uh, 10 years ago? I'm thinking about other entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs uh, listening. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think there are like three things I would have thought about. I've been thinking about that recently because I, I get a lot of people reaching out to me oh, yeah. uh, about trying to transition into the, you know, climate tech space. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, climate is hot, no pun intended. Um, you know, and I'm frankly, there aren't, they're not that, there are fewer women and there are fewer, you know, women of color that are in this yep. space. And so yep. that is probably also a driver. I would say one, like stay in your own lane. <laughs> you know, 10 years ago, you get so excited and focus on what other people are doing. Like you have your own purpose and path and like believe mm -hmm. in that and stay in it. You know, doing 
you should have an awareness of what's going on around you, but you shouldn't be so focused on it that you get um, distracted from your own goals. Mm. I think that's, that's one really important piece. I think a second thing is don't like make yourself smaller to make other people feel bigger. I think this is a big thing that um, women do a lot, you know, like you, you just like take up less space in the room. Like you shouldn't do that. You have something important and thoughtful and interesting to say and mm. say it. Um, people will benefit from it, even if it isn't what, you know, 80% of that room thinks having different perspectives is extremely valuable. And frankly, yep. that's what makes venture great um, is seeing something that other people can't see. Um, and then maybe the last thing I'll say is like your self-worth shouldn't be tied towards like your productivity or how productive you are. It's like one of the things I feel like a lot of people really learned throughout the pandemic is that, you know, you need to take care of you first and foremost. And like, you know, you are not the sum of your productivity. Like Chris, your self-worth doesn't come from your job. It comes from the way that you move in the world and how you treat people and that you feel proud of yourself and have integrity. And I think that sometimes can be lost when we're, you know, all in this like rat race culture. Those were three super answers, Amy. I hope everyone writes those down and, and looks at them every day. Um, and I, I feel like you were, you, were, you, were, you were speaking to me. You were counseling me for a second there, Amy. Thank you. <laughs> um, great reminders for sure. Uh, let's see. Do you have a, 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 a habit or routine or two uh, that you, you're particularly passionate about as it relates to, you know, focus or however you define success, et cetera? Ooh, yeah. Man, I do a lot of things in threes because I was also a former management consultant. So <laughs> it's like a bad habit. But um, okay. I'll in, take three. Yeah. In the threes. Okay. So one is like well being. You know, I meditate, I exercise, I sleep. You know, again, as a former banker, like you, you need to do those things so that mm. you are, you know, are functioning optimally. So I right. think that's one piece. Second thing is just like reading. You know, I like to read a lot of articles, different types of books, many things that are focused on climate, many things that are not like you should live your life or I try to live my life 3D, like three dimensional, like I don't want to be one dimensional. Mm -hmm. And so consuming lots of different types of information is and different perspectives is really important to me. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe the third thing is just like constantly questioning and being curious, like don't take anything that someone tells you for granted. And I think this is very helpful in kind of the, the VC um, realm is, okay, if, if you've got somebody who, a founder that has like a PhD in astrophysics and they're going through this really technical description of their company, like ask them what point A and point B means, like ask them to walk you through the process. There's no mm. silly question. Mm. And I, I feel like making sure that you don't take things at face value and also assume the way that somebody has been doing something for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, whether it's a poor, a potential company you're evaluating or frankly the way things are done in your job or industry is like the way things should continue to be done i feel like having you know critical questioning um and critical inquiry is like really important and so i would encourage others to do that fantastic yeah cur curiosity is worth um i think kevin kelly said it's worth an additional 25 iq points right off the bat um <laughs> Uh, speaking of books, any any book or podcast that you might recommend, climate or otherwise, Amy? Okay, aside aside from yours, Chris, and clearly, your, clearly, 
aside from yours and your newsletter, um, you know, I'm a big fan of uh, the Energy Gang. Mm. Um, you know, I think that they've got a really fun, you know, way of breaking down issues. I, I, I was, I was on that, and I, I just, yeah, I find Stephen and Catherine really thoughtful. Here, here, yeah. Um, I think on books, there was a great book I read called All We Can Save. It's like an mm. anthology focused on climate written by mm. lots of different female writers. I think it's yep. great when you talk about different perspectives. Like, I think that was a really um, important one for, for me. Uh, other climate stuff, you know, I, I can, I look at Climate Tech VC. It's a newsletter. Sophie mm -hmm. Purdom is sure. awesome. It's great. Yeah. Uh, Canary Media, what they've come out with, you know, Inside Climate News, you know, My Climate Journey also, you know, yep. does a newsletter. So, and that's where we, I think, actually met was My Climate Journey. Yeah. In, in the Slack room, I don't know, sometime last summer. Uh, how about a quote? I mean, any quote, uh, or maybe maybe it's three, but any quote that um, <laughs> that comes to mind? Yeah, there's a quote that I often live by, um, by Maya Angelou. It's, um, people will forget um, what you said and what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Mm. And so it is really important when you are communicating and working with people. It's not just about being right or thinking that your content is correct, but is literally how you talk to people. It's your tone. It is your empathy. And people are going to remember that interaction. And it often has nothing to do with the content of what you said. It really has to do with everything else. And, you know, I want to be known as somebody that makes, you know, people feel valued and safe and respected and it, and I think it's just an important thing to to think through and um yeah it's actually hanging it's 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 hanging on a, a little um framed uh plaque in my in my apartment but it's 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 something that's really really important to me yep I love it well unfortunately we're at time and what what I'm positive is happening is that listeners are thinking man if I'm going to raise you know, whatever, pre-seed, seed, series A money. And I want to really like and trust uh, the VC on the other side of the table for a, who knows, multi-year relationship. I think I'd like to hang out with Amy. Anyway, I think I think the, the, the things you're mentioning here uh, are kind of defining, redefining what a good investment partner uh, can be, can think like. Uh, so kudos to you for that. Um, and is there any final thought on how folks could support the work of Prime broadly, Amy? Um, so, yeah, it's a good question. I'm not, you are asking many good questions today, Chris. So I think one, if you are a, you know, a, a startup that thinks that you could be a good fit with our investment thesis or a partner in the ecosystem, like please go to our website, primeimpactfund.com. Um, and get in touch. You know, there's there's like a contact us page, which I think is is really helpful. You know, I would also say that um, you know Prime Coalition, it's a 501c3 nonprofit, and they do and Prime Coalition, our nonprofit team, does you know many things outside of um, supporting investment activities. There's the impact measurement and management piece. There is kind of the lessons learned and field building piece. So um, you can also go to that website. I think there's a, a donate element um as well but you know we just want to get in cut, touch with people we need more climate warriors so find me on linkedin go to our website and please 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 connect 
Yep, love it. Uh, Amy, we're all rooting for your all's success and the success of your all's uh, portfolio companies. Until next time, have a good weekend. Thanks, Chris. listening to the climate torch from entrepreneurs for impact if you'd like to learn more about climate finance and startups i write a weekly newsletter called zero which you can find via the footer on our website entrepreneursforimpact.com in these i also write about personal development and conscious leadership with questionable attempts at humor finally if you or someone you know might benefit from joining a private club for post accelerator growth stage climate CEOs and investors and schedule a call at our website. Our year-long cohort with just 10 to 15 executives helps members make better decisions, scale their businesses more quickly, be held accountable to their top personal and professional goals, create more time in their day, motivate their teams and work on not just in their ventures. Plus, we've got a member-only climate investor database with 550 plus corporate and project investors to help leaders become more investment savvy. Until next time, remember this, we need more than $1 trillion invested per year to hit our climate goals and big problems mean big opportunities. So if not you, then who? And if not now, then when? All right, let's get to work y'all.